Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. The episode after the bonus episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Technically episode nine. Right. Shit, yeah. We're almost at double digits, boy. I know. That's crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsuna, the Yahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes on the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. The sources for today's show, provided by Crimes of the Century documentary series on primehistory.com, fbi.gov, law.umck.edu, and allgov.com. FBI.gov. We went straight criminal minds on this one. Yes, went straight to the source of the conspiracies. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> In Crazy Kaka Cuckoo Insano. Yes. Which pretty well sums up all of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Um, thank you to everyone who downloaded our bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this follow-up episode and that hearing about the events of Waco and Ruby Ridge uh, kind of put this into, I guess, perspective or or put it into better terms. Like, why did this guy bomb a place? Well, it's because he saw these events and was like, something's got to change. Yeah, that, that was the reason for the bonus episodes is that it, it kind of felt like it would be a lot to explain. Well, these two very significant events happened and then this dude bombed a place. So wanted to, to go through and kind of explain. Uh, I don't think we could ever fully explain the mindset of someone who bombs a federal building. No. But at least explain some of the things that were going on in the world at that time leading up to the bombing in Oklahoma City, which is what we are discussing today. Plus, you got to spend more time with us. Right, exactly. Oh, cute. You're welcome for us. <laughs> and also, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you and you're welcome. Yeah. Okay, let's start with talking about the perpetrator of today's story, uh, which is Timothy McVeigh. He grew up in the burbs. He was a babysitter as a kid. He had no real warning signs that he was going to go loco. Uh, His parents divorced when he was 10 and he lived with his dad. He did have a fascination with guns, but then he went on to serve in the army. So people were like, that checks out. Um, He discovered the Turner Diaries when he was a teen, which is something I mentioned in the last episode. Just fucking great. Right. So we we kind of glossed over the the Turner Diaries, and I I don't want to give too much credence to this book, but maybe if you could just quickly in more more words than fart noise, uh, explain (laughs) the the Turner Diaries and why it is so significant. Okay, so yeah, so this Turner Diaries uh, is something that we see kind of the extremist groups that are forming in the 80s uh, and the 90s, and then obviously Timothy McVeigh cites it. Um, It's kind of like a... It's a it's a fiction. Fiction is the fake one, right? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a fictional book, uh, which ends in, you know, someone taking back their government and they bomb an FBI building. Um, but it is heavily racist. It's um, definitely far right on the political spectrum and is very pro gun. Um, and it, it involves a race war. It's it's pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot in these stories that. The perpetrators of these terrible things, they do cite the Turner Diaries as something that they read and found themselves in and then took into the real world. Yeah, we we referenced it last time because Bob Matthews starts a group called The Order, which is what the group in the book is called. And they yes. go out and do some pretty not great things, yeah. including assassinating a radio host. And... Yeah. 
that was kind of the, the inspiration for them. And then Timothy McVeigh ends up taking it one step further. McVeigh served in the first Gulf War during his time in the U.S. Army. He became friends with Terry Nichols. And when they both moved to a different port to serve, they would meet Michael Fortier. They share ideas and all have a deep love for guns and bearing them. And they also end up reading the Turner Diaries on McVeigh's request. So a delightfully terrifying book club. Because we're um, the three best friends that really fucking suck. After <laughs> After McVeigh leaves the military, which is, I, I think, part of kind of the, the trigger for him mm -hmm. as he tries to go into the special forces, but he fails out. And so this is a bit of an embarrassment for him. And I, I think that to play armchair psychologist for a second, but I, I do wonder if that is part of his frustration that leads him down the path that he goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, that path takes him to a number of gun shows across the country, where again, in one of the things that I read, it did kind of seem like almost the, the, the talk around the Turner Diaries was almost like Bible study for some other people, where he, yeah. he would go around from town to town and they would just go over different notes they have of the Turner Diaries, which is, again, just the most terrifying thing. Yes. Yeah, so all of this to say is that McVeigh is the one that actually ends up doing the bombing, um, but he is helped by Nichols and Fortier becomes a co-conspirator. Mm -hmm. So in the uh, few months before the bombing, I think it's actually they start collecting items and stockpiling items in the fall. Right. Uh, they start getting the items to make the truck bomb. They use, uh, we wrote agricultural fertilizer here. I'm not certain uh, of any other types of fertilizers. Well, like, aren't they all agricultural? Yeah, I, I'm Just not. growing shit? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on the, the varieties of fertilizers. All right. Um, before we get into this, though, I do quickly want to note that one of the things that, uh, again, the, the triggers for him, we talked about Ruby Ridge and we talked about Waco on the podcast on Monday, but he was at Waco, like not in the right, compound, right, right. but there was one spot kind of where a lot of the, the media was mm -hmm. and McVeigh was there. Yeah. He was selling bumper stickers, handing out pamphlets and like doing interviews with more right leaning media. Mm -hmm. So he, he witnessed all of it. And this yes. is again, another one of the sparks of uh, his, his anti-government rhetoric. And when, when everything goes down at Waco the way it does, that is when, okay, Timothy McVeigh now believes yeah. that something needs to change. It radicalizes him for yeah. sure. So yes, yeah, so they are stockpiling items to make their truck bomb. They use agricultural fertilizer, uh, diesel, fuses, and explosives. And McVeigh believes that the bombing will be the first strike in a war against the government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th this isn't a, a one-time plan for him. Per se, yeah. Yeah. Um, we can get into maybe a bit of the, the specifics a little bit later on with that, but th this is him not just a one-time strike. This is him hoping that he will start some form of a revolution yes. against the, the government. Um, during this time, they also go to a number of different buildings. Like, they, they scout around, Yeah, right? they've scouted all the all of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they end up deciding on the Murrah building in Oklahoma City. Alfred P. Murrah. Right, sorry, my apologies. No, that's fine. Al. Um, Which, can I just throw in really quick? Mm -hmm. It's like Murrah is like M-U-R-R-A-H. Yes. When we were watching the documentaries for this, I kept writing Murrah, like U-H, like oh, okay. Murka. I kept mm. writing it like that. 
<laughs> That's fair. I thought like Mera, like M-E-R-A, oh. but I um, I definitely heard that wrong. Uh, so yes, the Alfred P. Murrah building is where he decides to, to set up shop. And there are a number of theories as to why he kind of thought that. But the one that was talked about the most in a documentary that I watched a long time ago was that the ATF has mm-hmm. a main office in this building. And they are, co- of course, are the ones who really jump-started things both at Ruby Ridge. Uh, yes. Maybe not so much Ruby Ridge, but very much at Waco. That yes. They were the, the initial response to things at Mount Carmel. So that is Timothy McVeigh's, uh, I guess, reasoning yeah. for selecting this building. The date that is selected is April 19th, 1995. It is the two-year anniversary of the Waco standoff, uh, as well as a date recognized by far-right extremist groups as Patriot's Day, which Fuck. is, yeah, pretty... Pretty not great. So in the days leading up to this, McVeigh has rented a rider rental truck and he, that, that was his mode of transportation. Um, he parks it next to the Murrah building and lights the fuse. He starts walking away. A couple of minutes later, the truck explodes. Over 300 surrounding buildings were damaged and destroyed and a third of the Murrah building is just wiped out in an instant. By the end, 168 people were killed, 650 injured, and 19 children were killed. And one of the things that he, in interviews after McVeigh said, it wasn't really a deciding factor, but there's no way he couldn't have known that he parked his truck right next to a daycare that was on the second floor of the Murrah building. The bomb is quickly discovered to be a truck bombing because of the crater that the truck bomb leaves and an axle goes flying. And I think it's like a kilometer away. It's discovered. Um, They were able to track that axle back to the rider moving truck company, which he rented this truck in Kansas, 200 miles North miles. Whoa. Like 300 mile, 300 kilometers. Here we go. Mm -hmm. North of Oklahoma city under an alias. The, sorry, I I know I'm interrupting a lot and I apologize. No, it's fine. Um, You, this, we already covered this when when we picked this topic. You know so much more about this than I do. <laughs> I was fully prepared to just sit here with my mic off and listen. <laughs> um, one of the things that we noticed in the, or one of the things that I noted from the Crimes of the Century documentary was the guy who, I guess, discovered the axle of mm-hmm. this truck that goes flying. Like, this is... This is such a just by chance coincidence that all this ends up working out as that this thing goes flying and a dude like it seemed like it was just out of a movie where a guy is just standing there. He hears an explosion and then a hunk of truck just comes flying towards him. And it just so happens that this piece of the truck has all of the information. Has the VIN on it. Yes, exactly. Has like kind of engraved into it so they are able to quickly identify the truck and identify its roots. Yes. Yeah, so after the bomb goes off, um, obviously officials and like no one really knows what happened. Yeah. Um, there was concern. So once they're going through the rubble, they have medics on site, police, ambulance, all fire, all the good stuff. Um, there was concern that they found a second bomb, which is a common tactic used by bombers. They light one and then they light a second one once medics and officials have had time to arrive. It was a false alarm, but it does 
postpone searching through the rubble and it is assumed that more people lost their lives because of this. So while this is all going, uh, 90 minutes after the blast, a state trooper pulls over a vehicle for not having a license plate. Timothy McVeigh was the driver. So how they set that up is they bought just an old beater boat of a car and parked it a couple blocks away on one of their kind of their last scouting mission. He parked it a couple blocks away and left a note said, replacing the battery, please do not tow. This will be gone by April 22nd. So it was still there. I guess that was a successful note. Yes, he he took the license plate off of it because he didn't want it to be identified, I guess, at the time, but forgot to put the license plate back on. And so because of that, he is pulled over. And during the search of the vehicle, they find that he has a gun and he is arrested. Um, and is just, again, has nothing to do with Oklahoma City, yeah, but just, just 90 miles out, pulled over for a random traffic thing, and it's it's crazy how that worked out. Yeah, if he had put the plate back on, if he didn't have a gun, he wouldn't have been arrested. Mm-hmm. So the investigation obviously picks up rather quickly, as this is a bombing and people want answers very, very quickly. So... Agents from all over the place are dispatched everywhere. One goes to the Dreamland Motel, where they find that someone had taken a rider truck. He rented the room under his real name. Mm -hmm. The FBI discovers McVeigh has already been arrested for the missing plates. They go to talk to McVeigh, and he asks the officers, is this about the Oklahoma City thing? Which is just haunting. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, he was just about to be let go, and the FBI called and said, hey... Can you hold this guy for a little bit while we get there? And they don't have to interrogate him. They don't have to question anything. He just basically offers up, hey, is this about the Oklahoma City thing? Is this about that bomb I just set off? Mm -hmm. And this is, again, not to editorialize too, too much, but this is one of the reasons why I do think he intended on being caught. Right. He goes through a military guy. So he has an understanding of like how some of these things would work. Mm -hmm. He goes through the meticulous planning of setting off a bomb. They go to all of these different places to scout and put all this work in. And then you sign up for a hotel in your real name using a very identifiable truck. And you just forget to put a license plate back on your car. Like all of these things lead me to believe that this was someone who fully intended on getting caught for this. And that was something that a lot of the reporters who covered this story kind of said after is that McVeigh's plan was to start a revolution and then become the martyr of it and become the face of it instead of someone who just set off a bunch of other bombs. I mean, if he was like, we had mentioned that he uh, leaves the military after he tries out for special forces and they're like, you don't have what it takes. It would make sense that this is his ploy to become special enough. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, so McVeigh's address on his ID leads officers to Nichols place where they also arrest him. Fortier is also brought in. And in the end, he strikes a plea deal and is sentenced to 12 years for being a conspirator. He was released in 2006. Nichols is sent to, or sentenced, sorry, to life in prison. And also is, sent to. Yes. Um, <laughs> and is still serving that sentence in Colorado. Um, he was supposed to be with McVeigh yeah. on the day of the bombing and basically got cold feet. Mm-hmm. Apparently McVeigh threatened to kill him, uh, clearly didn't, but <laughs> um, kind of lets him go on his, his 
merry little way. Just a quick side to this. Mm -hmm. In the Michael Moore documentary, Bowling for uh, Columbine, Columbine, sorry, Terry Nichols' brother is interviewed in that as a gun aficionado and is just as weird as you would expect. Um, As you can probably figure out, McVeigh is found guilty and sentenced to death. Uh, The the trial doesn't start until 1997, so Mm -hmm. two years after. During the trial, the, the first thought is, okay, well, insanity plea is probably what we're going to do is this guy blew up a damn building. Yeah. Most sane people don't do that. But the the lawyers put him through a, a psychiatric evaluation and this is going to be the weirdest thing I say all day. They found nothing wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Like he was a a regular, coherent, had all his faculties about him. Bomber. Yes. <laughs> the The defense that McVeigh wanted his team to use was necessity. He had to do this after what the American government did at Ruby Ridge and at Waco. He had no other choice but to blow up a fucking building. Yeah. That is the defense that he wanted to use. Yeah, that he was using self-defense against a tyrannical government. Yes. That's why you blow up people that are just fucking living their lives. Mm -hmm. So McVeigh is put to death in 2001. Uh, It is the first federal execution in almost 40 years. And... Just, again, figure out the timeline on this. He sets off the bomb in 1995. The trial begins in 1997. Clearly, he hasn't figured out a whole lot of shit in that time because he's saying he had to do this. Mm -hmm. And he's put to death in 2001. So four years after the trial ends, where he knows he is guilty and this is his fate. And six years after he killed 168 people, including 19 children. And still, at the end, McVeigh never expressed regret he did not show any remorse the site of the murrah building is now a memorial with 168 empty chairs representing those who were killed and this remains the worst domestic terrorist attack in the history of the united states yeah that is just uh haunting and looking up the pictures of him and and nichols and and the turner diaries it's like i don't understand how they found nothing wrong with this guy, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, But this bombing does begin extra screenings and security at federal buildings. Uh, It pushed the FBI to continue investigations on the groups that these three guys were involved in. It also plants the seeds for the beginnings of Homeland Security, which was officially started after 9-11. So basically, McVeigh thought this bombing would win the fake fucking war he thought was happening between the government and people who like guns, but instead it increases federal officials' power and presence. What a fucking twat. Yeah, it's... Not to speak ill of the dead or anything, but... Well, no, this is one you can. Um, No, it's the, the whole not having remorse... Thing. And there's a, a clip after one of the days of trial where part of this trial, like you have victim impact statements mm-hmm. from mothers of the children who are in there and all of those sorts of things. And it, it's not just the 19 children who were killed, but also several others were injured. 650. Well. Yes. But I mean, like children. Oh, right. Like the, they, they have an interview with one family whose child was... Mm-hmm. Um, impacted for the rest of his life based Mm -hmm. off of this and that they didn't know if he would be okay until a couple hundred days after 
the the bombing took place. And even now, he, he has complications that he lives with for the rest of his life. And still, after hearing from those parents, after one of the days of trial, there's a video of him saying, I think this is going really well. Like, that this is going... Yeah exactly how we thought it would so just delusional delusional absolutely despicable and the the real point of every documentary you watch is that yes this is someone who was trying to start a revolution and instead just ramped up security even more and kind of made the FBI and made the American government realize that there were some holes in their security and things weren't as safe as they thought they were. Obviously, yeah. more holes get poked into that with 9-11. Yeah. But th this was, to, to your point, the the start of it. So a, a very dark time in American history and a very dark moment in American history. I, I do quickly want to bring up that there are conspiracies around this mm -hmm. because at the Ryder Truck rental place, they witnesses spot McVeigh with someone else. And there is a John Doe 1 and a John Doe 2. McVeigh ends up being John Doe 1. John Doe 2 is never really found. Uh, federal officials say it was a case of mistaken identity. They kind of, they they recognized someone from the other day or from one of the other days yeah, and the, gave the that days person. Yeah, the days were kind of meshing together. And... Yeah, but there has long been a conspiracy that McVeigh did not act alone. Aside from Fortier and aside from Nichols, there are unfortunately white supremacist groups all over the fucking place. And there are Bart some... Sound again. Right. There are some who believe that McVeigh was just someone who acted on behalf of all of them. And while, while I do think, like, the larger movement is to blame for this, I do believe that Timothy McVeigh, at the end of the day, acted on his own. Yes. That's a heavy one. Yes. Yeah, this was not a pleasant one to, no. to, to look up or to research. Very sad, but um, I mean, let's just keep the sad times going. Well, in the interest of gun regulation, I think that a natural progression from talking about Ruby Ridge and Waco and the Oklahoma City bombing is to talk about the Port Arthur massacre and the Australian gun ban. Okay. That, that makes sense to me. Yes. Yeah, that, that does seem like a, a natural progression. So we will see how other countries have handled this type of a, a, a situation when yes. we dive into this one. This is one that I, I don't, aside from uh, Jim Jeffries' stand-up comedy yeah. bo uh, bit, I know nothing about this one. So uh, a little bit more research is going to have to be done on my part than uh, I did in the week leading up to this one, because this was one I was pretty familiar with. Yes, and actually the uh, Port Arthur Massacre comes as a, recommend a recommendation? Yes. A suggestion? Mm -hmm. um, from our Australian request, yes, that's the word from uh, from a couple Australian friends of ours, and also uh, looking at our demographics of downloads, some people in Australia listen to this podcast. So all two of you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you to both of you. And if you want to make requests Ooh, on, singly. yes, um, <laughs> if, if you want to make requests as to what you would like to hear on this show, you can send us an email at we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. We had no idea podcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. The, the ratings really do help out a lot. Uh, all the yeah. downloads are a big help. And it's just nice to see people appreciating what we are doing. So, yeah, and learning with us. That's the best part is that yeah. like, we didn't know a lot of... Well, I mean, okay, with the exception of this one that you knew <laughs> quite a bit about, um, we don't know a lot about this stuff either. So 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, sharing is caring. There you go. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You can also hit us up on Instagram uh, at We Had No Idea Podcast. So thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. Bye. Sick. <laughs>